Who's that guy? Hi. Who is that guy? Don't know. Who's this guy? Hey, fellas. Who's Hi. this guy? Who's this guy? Who are you? I'm nobody. No, 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 no. I know you. I know you. He was at that party with me, the one I was telling you about. Well, no, Who is no. it? <laughs> Remember? He, he's Jimmy's brother, the guy, the singer. He's no. the guy with the beautiful voice I was what? telling you about. No, 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 no. Brother. Me, oh my God! Sing for us, sing. Oh, it's not me. No, you fucking lying. I don't mean to, you know, accuse you guys of being ill-informed. My but... brother came all the way from Scottsdale, Arizona, to be here tonight, and you're not going to sing for him. Fucking bullshit. Sing. You're sing. a fucking singer. You sing, and you sing good. Sing it again. Like a bird. No, I know. I just, I, I want to. You want a line of cocaine? No way, man. Yeah. Don't make this weird. Sing. Sing it again. Me, me, Turbo. Me. These eyes do, 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 do. cry every night for you. These arms they long to hold you, hold you again. Boom, boom, boom. Brotherly Love Sports Podcast, episode 47. It's a little bit of a different episode today. Chris and Eggie are out of the office, but the show must go on. So with me, I have Jean-Miguel Tarrico. How's it going? What up, bro? Chilling. We're at the Johnson Pub, just hanging out. We plan on having a little bit of a 76ers interview with Michael KB from 247 Sports. 97.3 97.3 ESPN and a member of Pro Hoops Writer. Then we're going to do a little Pittsburgh Steelers preview with none other than the guy sitting right next to me, J.M. Tarrico. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, we're going to do a Browns preview. Uh, our buddy, that one. <laughs> our buddy Brad Wester is coming on. He's the only Browns fan I know. And then all we'll have to do to wrap up the AFC North is the Bengals. But we'll do that another week. So, J.M., take your, take your hat off real quick. Why? All right. Looks like you got a pretty nice shave on. Yeah, I do. That's nice. So I was wondering, like, obviously there's some great guys who have, sh- you know, shaved nicely, freshly clean shaved heads, like mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, Jason Statham, Mr. Clean, you know, guys like that. The Rock. The Rock. Yeah. But there's plenty of other guys that are like big D-bags, like LeVar Ball. So my question to you is, do any of these guys make you like give the bald community a bad name that you just like kind of wish you had hair again? Give the bald community a bad name? No. Um, what I hate to see in the bald community is uh, fat asses. If you're a fat ass and you're bald... Sorry, dude. You just look like a big blob of skin, and uh, you know you just work on it. You know, everyone could lose a little bit of weight, myself included. But when you look like a round thumb or big toe, you, that's when you, I'm saying, you know what? Either put a hat on or lose some weight. You're looking pretty good, bro. Thanks, bro. So, uh, anyone in the sports world, or really any world? Is anyone in the back of your head that really needs to just go go clean and shave their head bald? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't come through with the uh, the going clean segment as I promised many, many weeks ago. But I was sitting at home, you know, just kind of reading through some ESPN articles, and I saw something on Kevin Durant came up. And I looked at Kevin's forehead, and uh, 
There's just something off about it. It's got like a like a shelf going on, and I think it's it's an illusion. It's either his bone structure, but I think it's actually him losing some hair. And I think if he were to shave his head, it'd look pretty good. Do you think the people that have been mad at him for for years since he left the Thunder would finally forgive him? I mean, he would gain some of that back for sure if he lost his hair, shaved it. Okay. All right, well... Be more of a badass. Anyone else come to mind? Um, yeah. Wes Welker. Because I was going to say, if he were to shave his head, because he needs to, it's, it's falling out, it looks weird, he would kind of look like a Nazi. He's a, uh, an assistant coach for the Houston Texans. He's not point. even playing anymore? No, dude, he's old. Oh, wow. I think he ended his career with the Broncos. Well, he's still in the sporting world. He is. Yeah. I liked him. He was cool. He's only 5'9". Yeah. Dude could play. Well, he's 37 years old, so... Wow. Yeah, that's pretty old. Well, JM, I think it's time for... Beers for the Boys. Ooh. Sit back and crack open a cold one, because it's time for Beers for the Boys. Who do you got for us today? Uh, my first Beers for the Boys is actually a Beers for the Women. For the ladies, for the girls. I like um, that. That's lit. Yeah, mine goes out to uh, our friend Michael Dimonick's wonderful girlfriend, Hailstorm. Uh, she made us a wonderful dinner last night and uh, wouldn't let us clean up. So, cheers to you, Haley. Seriously, those tacos were top notch. And also, Mike, your uh, hot sauce off the charts. Sell it. It was banging. Sell it. Is that the Pineapple Express? I think so, or a variation of it. It's so good. But, yeah. Hales, thanks again for having us. Jam, that's a great beers for the girls. I can appreciate that. Woohoo! You're so woke. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, beers for the boys. I'm going to give it to Philadelphia Eagles draft pick, Dallas Goddard. Tight end. He had four catches last night against the Steelers, 66 yards receiving, and a touchdown. He looked like the stud we're going to need this year to replace Selleck. Long-time fan favorite tight end for the Eagles. Did he retire? I don't think officially, but we did not sign him back, and I don't think I heard him sign with any other team. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yes, sir. So, Jay, we'll get into the uh, Steelers a little bit later, but are there any Steelers that you want to give a beers for the boys to? Yeah. Um, Going off last night, preseason, football's back. Uh, I'll give beers for the boys for my man Juju Smith-Schuster. Dude's awesome. Just a, a great personality. Um, just like always having fun out there, but also just a beast, I think, on the field. Size, speed, talent. You look good. Dude's great. Caught a 71-yard touchdown. Well, I'll tell you what. The Eagles... Didn't look the greatest. We did have Sudfeld starting for us, and it is preseason, so who really gives a shit? But just a couple quick highlights for you, JM, in case you're wondering. Adam Jones is a running back from Notre Dame, had a bunch of injuries. Big dude, kind of reminds me of like Garrett Blunt. He's fighting for the fourth spot on the Eagles running back roster. He looked good last night, breaking off a 15-yard run on his first one. Ended up with like five carries for 30 yards, two catches, one for 10 yards. So he, he had a good showing. Um, Pumphrey was injured, which is a guy he's competing against. Smallwood came out. He looked all right. So we'll see what happens with that big guy. Next up, Josh Sweat, DN from Florida State. Also a guy injured in college. I knew he was jacked, but I just wanted to let everyone know he's still fucking huge. He's built like a brick shit house. I'm really excited to see what this guy can do. Our D seemed to come back right where they left off in the Super Bowl. Actually, they didn't play great in the Super Bowl, but they seemed to come back right where they left off last year in general. They had a good defensive year. Looked great. And lastly, Gibson from West Virginia wideout. Didn't see much PT last year. Don't even think he dressed for many games. He looked fast yesterday. He caught a nice long ball. So I'll be interested to see if he can uh, get a spot on this roster. So that's all the Eagles highlights from preseason game one. Uh, the Steelers obviously won that, not that it matters. But some, some news for the Steelers, though. They're actually being investigated for a deflate gate situation with in the Big third ben. quarter. 
of the preseason game last night. Just popped up on my phone. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. Who gives a shit? It's I know. I know. It's it's weird, but it just popped up. Is on that my phone. like a quarterback trying to make the roster, trying to get I the ball? Have no idea. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I'm really excited about the 76ers interview I did with Michael KB. Uh, like I said, he's a media member for the Sixers, so that's pretty pretty tight. So let's let's go right to that interview. All right, I'd like to introduce Michael KB, writer at 247 Sports, 76ers reporter at 97.3 ESPN, and a Pro Hoops writer member. So welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I want to start this off by getting uh, your biggest takeaway from last season from the Sixers. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway from last season was probably just the fact that the team has the uh, you know like the foundational pieces to build a contender. There was a lot of questions going into last season. You know, obviously Ben Simmons was coming off an injury and had never played in an NBA game yet. Embiid was coming off of a, uh, an injury and had only played in 31 games over the course of three seasons. You know, entering last year. So I think there was a lot of questions about the durability and just like the you know the ability of those two guys to play together. And I think you know by winning 52 games, getting to the Eastern Conference semifinals. Um, in their first year together, I think that that worked to kind of answer a lot of those questions. So I think, you know, now, um, you know, they, they know they have two young stars in place that they can kind of build around and move forward. So do they hook you up with tickets as a member of the media? Yeah, it's not necessarily tickets. I get a, uh, a media credential for the season. It's like, a, you know, a lanyard that you wear. Um, you know, it's good for all the games for the season. You sit down in the uh, the press box, which is um, off of the baseline of the, you know, um, across from like the away bench. So it's pretty good, uh, pretty good seats. That's awesome, man. Have you gotten to get to know the players at all? Yeah, a little bit. There was, uh, you know, so much turnover. I've been, you know, I've been credentialed for the team for the past uh, five seasons now, and there was so much turnover early on during the, uh, you know, the Sam Hinkie years. There was guys that were here that, you know, I started to get to know a little bit. Uh, you know, MCW, KJ McDaniels, uh, Nerlens, some of those guys that got, you know, there's so much movement, and there's finally seems to be some guys in place. So it's nice, you know, we get to talk to, you know, Joel a lot, Ben a lot, uh, JJ. Robert Covington, he's a guy that's been around for a while, so I've got to talk to him a lot. So now that there seems to be, um, you know, more of stability within the roster and on the team, you get to know some of the guys a little bit more, and they get to recognize you the more you, you know, kind of talk to them. So maybe you try to keep it professional. I could see that being a thing. But do you have a favorite 76er? Um, I don't think I, uh, I have a favorite. I think everyone really kind of gravitates toward Joel, just his personality and how he's, you know, very funny, very vocal. Uh, you know, he loves to poke fun at, you know, not only other people but himself. And combined with his game on the court, you know, he kind of reminds me of a, you know, a younger Shaq when he was, you know, in his Orlando and Laker days where he was dominant on the court, but he also had this, like, fun-loving and, and larger-than-life personality off of it. So I would say just, like, Joel's personality combined with his game, I think, makes him a fan favorite. I call him a young Shaq, too, all the time, and uh, the two other hosts of the podcast, Eggy and Chris, make fun of me for it, so I appreciate you saying that. Uh, I also yeah, definitely. They definitely feel like he's there. <laughs> Without a doubt. Um, so I also heard you mention Hinky. What are your thoughts on the Colangelo drama, and are you a believer that they should bring Hinky back? You know, it's tough. The Colangelo situation was, you know, definitely one of the most strange, um, you know, situations I think that we've seen in, in an NBA front office in, in quite some time. I was of the belief that, you know, at the point that all the information came out, whether or not it was, you know, technically him operating these accounts or, or if it was his wife, I felt as though too much damage had been done, con you know, considering the content of some of the tweets, you know, bashing Joel, saying things about Ben and other players on the team. I just felt that at that point, whether or not it was technically him or not, obviously some information had been shared and things had been discussed um, that probably shouldn't have been. And I just thought that, that, that they had gotten to a point that they really couldn't justify keeping him on board. Um, I thought he did a decent job when he was here. And, and as far as Hinky goes, I, I've been a, a big, I was always a pro Hinky guy when he was here, a supporter. I certainly wasn't one of the people that was, you know, anti-process or anything like that. It's tough to see at this point. I, I don't think that they will um, bring him back, whether or not they should. I think that bringing him back would kind of be like the, 
you know, the ownership basically just admitting that they were wrong and saying, you know, we probably never should have pushed this guy out in the first place. We probably should have just, you know, left him and let him, you know, see out his plan that he had in the first place. And just knowing, you know, the ownership group as they are and as they have been, I just it doesn't seem like a, a move that they would want to make, basically going out and admitting and saying, you know what, we, we shouldn't have got rid of this guy in the first place. Um, so I think they'll probably want to bring someone in that has a little bit ex- more experience in terms of, you know, when Hinky was here, it was kind of a total teardown and a build back up, and he did, you know, a very solid job of giving the team pieces to build on. You know, obviously Joel, Ben, Markel, Dario, uh, Robert, all these guys, now that they're in place, I think that the organization is probably looking for a guy that has a little bit more experience, um, you know, with a team that's ready to contend. And, you know, obviously we don't know how Sam would have done with this team. Uh, he wasn't given the opportunity, um, you know, whether that people think that's fair or not. But I think they'll be looking for a guy with, like, just a little bit more experience in a, you know, a competitive front office. Uh, you know, I think they've looked – they're obviously taking their time. It's been, uh, you know, over two months now since Colangelo was fired. So I think that when the decision is made, I mean, I, I certainly expect it to be made before the season starts, that it'll probably be someone that has some experience in another front office, you know, taking a team into, you know, contention. So obviously that's not a great way to start the off season with Colangelo's burner account drama. But how would you grade the overall Sixers off season? You know, I would probably give it a B. I, I know a lot of people were disappointed by not landing, you know, one of the big fish and, you know, a LeBron or a Paul George or, or trading for Kawhi Leonard a little bit later. But overall, I mean, the way I, lo- I looked at it, obviously any team would want LeBron James. Paul George would have been a perfect fit. But, I mean, outside of those two, there, there was no names that really moved the needle or would have, you know, I thought that would have been a great fit for the team. And you're talking, you know, as we kind of said earlier, this was a team that won 52 games and got to the Eastern Conference semifinals in their first year of, you know, playing together and of even asked, you know, it was the first year that Brett Brown was asked to put a team out that contended, you know, rather than a team that was, you know, trying to get in the lottery. It was the first year that Joel and, and Ben played together, JJ's first year with the team. There was so many firsts last year, and I think, you know, to allow this basically the same team, obviously a couple uh, different smaller additions here and there, but basically the same starting five to run it back another year, I think is pretty wise. You know, it'll be Ben's second year, Joel's third. These guys are still so young and it'll give them, get, to allow them, you know, to give them more time to develop, I think is a pretty wise move. And they also didn't, you know, bog the future um, salary cap down by handing out bad contracts to players just to do it. Um, so next summer they'll be right back in the hunt for star players and they'll have the salary cap space to be able to afford some guys and look pretty attractive. So, you know, outside of landing, you know, LeBron or uh, Paul George, a couple guys like that, I think that they did really well by, you know, standing pad. I like the Wilson Chandler edition, a couple other guys. And then, of course, Fultz will be a huge factor that could, you know, if he's able to perform at the level that they thought he would last year when they traded up to select him first overall, you know, that's basically like adding another, you know, borderline also or, or at least another solid contributor to the team right there that really wasn't a factor last year. You know, he projects to be a great fit in between Ben and Joel, a guy that can create offense for himself. That's, a, you know, why they, they wanted him in the first place. So if he's kind of able to regain that form, then I think we could see a team that, you know, is even better than last year despite not adding any, you know, big names over the summer. So you mentioned Fultz, and I actually follow you on Twitter and saw that you have somewhat of an inside source. I'm not going to ask you to name him, but that inside source stated that Fultz looks great this offseason, and I'm not sure if you mentioned in that tweet whether his jump shot also looks better, but what are your thoughts on that? Do you Are you pretty confident that he's going to come back with a pretty nice jump shot? Yeah, I am. I'm pretty optimistic about the whole situation. Everything I've heard from people that have, you know, seen him work out, been around his workouts this summer, is that the everything's coming together, and you're, they're seeing basically what you saw from him in summer league and in the, the pre-draft workouts last year before the initial shoulder injury happened. Um, that you know, Drew Hanlon has put out some tweets that the trainer he's working with about you know saying that the NBA should be put on notice for what he's going to do next year, and I don't think that he would just be you know blowing smoke. I, I think all signs point to Markel really yeah, putting his game back together. I think his shot will be 
you know, I'll be interested to see how confident he is. I think that's the main thing that'll be interesting to watch when he, once he hits the floor. So there's a difference between, you know, being obviously being able to shoot in a gym with, uh, you know, just a dozen people watching you and being able to shoot in a game with, uh, you know, 25,000 people watching you. But I think in, in terms of the shot itself, I think it's kind of been reconstructed a bit. I think the kinks have been worked out, and I expect to see, you know, the Markel that I think a lot of us expected to see last year. I think it, it got delayed a year, unfortunately, but I, I do have pretty high expectations for what he's going to bring to the Sixers this season. Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of my answer to those that think we haven't improved this offseason is, is, you know, Fultz, you know, he looked good at the end of the season, even with only a mid-range jump shot. If they can improve that to include a pretty solid three ball, that's a missing piece. We, we bring some athleticism to the wing. And then you have to think that Ben and Joel are both going to take steps forward. I mean, they were basically, you know, Ben was a rookie and Joel was in his second season. So, you know, I have to think we improved a good deal this offseason. So, both of those guys, actually all three of those guys I mentioned were injured as rookies, and Zaire Smith had his surgery to repair a Jones fracture in his left foot, I believe, today. So what are your thoughts on the Zaire Smith injury, and do the Sixers have a rookie injury curse? <laughs> I think at this point we have to say that there is, right? I mean, the, the proof is there. I, I think it's impossible to deny. I mean... It, it is kind of crazy that the, you know, this just keeps happening over and over again. A couple of the guys obviously had injuries beforehand. You know, Nerlens was injured when they drafted him, Joel. But to have, you know, three guys go down with, with injuries before their season starts is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. And it's unfortunate because I, I didn't think Zaire was necessarily going to play a big part in the team's, like, on-court success this year. Like, losing him, I don't think is, you know, it, it doesn't really shift how I feel about how the team is going to be. It's not like, you know, losing Ben before his rookie year where you're like, okay, well, this is really going to have an impact. I think Zaire was probably going to be the third shooting guard or the third guard off the bench. And, he, you know, he would have got some minutes, and I was definitely looking forward to watching him play. So it's unfortunate, but I don't think it's going to have a very big impact on, you know, the team's overall success. I think he was definitely going to have a, a moderate kind of role this year. But with that said, you know, Brett Brown compared him to Kawhi Leonard. He's a, you know, a lottery pick that we, we worked to get and obviously traded, uh, bridges for, um, the, and, you know, I think we're all looking forward to seeing him. So it's, it's unfortunate that that had to happen to, you know, another draft pick, especially a guy with no history of injury issues. It almost seems like, you know, at this point, the Sixers are, uh, you know, I guess you have to say cursed. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, he kind of reminds me of like an Andre Iguodala, a guy that can really play D, runs the break, good dunker. If he develops a jump shot like Iggy, at least somewhat of a jump shot, he could be a very impactful player in this league. So another guy who showed some promise this summer had probably the most promising summer league of all the Sixers, Furkan Korkmaz. I know they call him Cork. Uh, had a great off season, was shooting the ball well in summer league. He worries me because he's six seven and 185 pounds. He may get pushed around a little bit. What are your thoughts on Cork? And is there any way that he becomes, you know, a guy off the bench that can come in and drill some threes for this team? Yeah, that's a, a great question. He's a, a guy that I'm really going to be looking at coming into training camp. You know, obviously he he lit up summer league. He show he has the ability to shoot. They knew that. Uh, you know, when they drafted him last year, he was on the two way contract. And I think by default, there's going to be some minutes available for him this year as a guy. You know, his strength, floor spacing, shooting happen to be you know a very big need for the Sixers team with you know Joel and Ben. They need guys that can space the floor. And if you look at the roster with the loss of Marco Bellinelli and Irsan this summer, I think, you know, at least a few of those minutes will be available for Furkan as a guy that can space the floor. But you kind of touched on it. The main question, I think, with him is uh, consistency and then his ability to compete on the defensive end. He's definitely not, the you know, the biggest guy or the most athletic guy. Um, so it's, you know, if it's a situation of if he's going to get minutes, he has to not be, a, you know, a huge negative on the defensive end. As, you know, in terms of well, he's shooting well on the offensive end. So I think it's really going to be up to him. I think there will be some minutes for him, and it'll come down to if he's able to, you know, be physically, um, you know, consistent and strong enough to really withstand, um, you know, NBA action over the course of the season. As a rookie, I don't think he showed that he was, but obviously, you know, he's he's had a year to grow and develop, and I think there'll be a, you know, he'll he'll be on the roster, he'll be on the deep bench, and I think there will be a, at times, um, you know, opportunity for him. And if he, he's able to, you know, shoot well like he did throughout summer league consistently, 
um, you know, they need that. So by default, I think we'll see him out there at least for, you know, some stretches of time. Yeah, and I know it's basically down to a science now with, like, LeBron James. You read about Rondo with a crazy nutritionist. But it's almost like, get this guy a cheeseburger. Like, I don't care what you have to do. <laughs> Put some weight on this boy. Because if, if he can gain some pounds and, you know, get stronger on the defensive end, he's going to be a good player. So I've been asking you a ton of questions here. Is there anything that you want to bring up involving the 76ers or the NBA in general? Uh, I think the main thing is regarding the Sixers, at least for the fan base, is really just like patience. I think a lot of I see, you know, obviously I interact with fans a lot and talk to a lot of people. A lot of people were just really upset with their, you know, the off season, like not landing LeBron, not landing Paul George. A lot of people wanted them to trade for Kawhi with no guarantee that he was going to stay past, you know, a season and give up some of these young players. And to me, I think we, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier. This was such a young team that just had their first season together last year. And success is, you know, it doesn't come overnight. You know, Jordan and the Bulls didn't win their first title till, you know, he was drafted in 83, didn't win a title till 91. That's eight years. You know, this is Ben's second year. Bron didn't get his first title seven, eight years into, you know, it, it takes a while for teams to come. And obviously there's still a team out west called the Golden State Warriors that, you know, barring something crazy happening, I think most of us expect to win the title at least this year. And then, you know, we'll see what happens in free agency. But there's no, you know, even if the Sixers had landed, uh, you know, Kawhi or Paul George this summer and gave up some pieces, it's not like that would all of a sudden be like, okay, they're better than the Warriors right now. I think by them staying on the path that they're on, building around Joel and Ben, seeing what they have in Markel this season, and then going from there is really a, a wise path. And I think, uh, you know, rather than wanting to blow this up so quickly, I think, you know, just waiting it out to see, you know, watch these guys develop, give them another year or two and see where they can go, I think is, a, you know, a, a great approach. All right. So are you happy with the LeBron of the Lakers signing? And can you rank which NBA teams won free agency this year in your in your eyes? It's tough to say. I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see LeBron in Los Angeles. I've never, you know, been a Lakers fan. It would have been cool to see him in Philly. Um, if he wasn't going to come to Philly, I think I would have liked to see him stay in Cleveland just because, uh, you know, it's his uh you know his his hometown team where where he's been playing but i, I definitely don't besmirch him you know he, he's earned the opportunity to play wherever he wants and you know he obviously has other interests and in things and family in la and things he wants to be out there so and i do respect the fact that he went to a team that's not you know no one all of a sudden thinks that the lakers are going to win the title they're not built for it he didn't bring another star he didn't wait to make sure that there was you know that paul george or Kawhi was going to be there he went there you know, with the team that they had now, which is, you know, you know, wasn't in the playoffs last year, wasn't even a 500 team. So I do respect him, you know, going to a team that's not ready made to win a championship. But, uh, you know, with that said, I think you would have to say that the Lakers probably won free agency, uh, you know, by bringing LeBron in. That would probably be number one. I think, uh, number, uh, at the top of my head, I would say that the, the Thunder, um, you know, had a, a pretty solid offseason, obviously, by being able to, a lot of people expected Paul George to leave to go sign in L.A., which would have left the Thunder, you know, back to where they were a season ago when it was basically Westbrook and a bunch of, you know, spare parts around him. But by, you know, locking Paul George up for four years, um, bringing in some other pieces, uh, you know, around him and Russ, I think that they're not they're necessarily going to contend for a title with the Warriors, but they, you know, they kept themselves competitive for the next, you know, few years. If you got Russ and, and Paul George on the same team, you're going to be a playoff team. So I think they did a good job of... um you know, keeping themselves competitive by keeping Paul George. And, uh, you know, other than that, I obviously we talked a lot about the Sixers. I do like what the – both the Sixers and the Celtics kind of, you know, stayed pat. I think they'll, they're two teams that are really happy with their young cores and where they're at at this point in time. So, you know, I, I would say them. The Rockets, obviously, in a similar situation, if they had lost Chris Paul, um, that, that would have been a tough. They brought him back, got Carmelo. We'll see. You know, obviously things didn't work out for him in Oklahoma City. Maybe it'll work out better in Houston. But, uh, you know, I think those three teams probably feel pretty good about what they did the most this summer. And then there's a lot of other teams that made, you know, made some moves. But, you know, I, I think the, the main one, obviously, like you said, was LeBron to, to the Lakers. All right, Mike. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Bro Love Cast. We really appreciate it. You made it through the fire, so thanks again. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was uh, you know good talking. I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, have a good weekend. All right, thanks again, Michael KB, from for coming on the show. The Bro Love Cast appreciates you.
you did great. You crushed it. You made it through the fire. So thanks again. JM, let's get into your Pittsburgh Steelers, the second team in our AFC North preview. Now it's time for the NFL 2018 Team Rundown. Why was I the second? Who went first? You were not available last week. You ditched me. Oh, that's right. So I hit up my buddy Marcus Holt with the Ravens. Clearly, you didn't listen last week. Well, yeah, that sucks because we should have got an order of how they're going to finish in the AFC North. (laughs) Steelers. Obviously going to be in first place, all as right. always. Keep it in your pants, buddy. All right. So how'd you become, how'd Yins become a fan? Um, you know, dad's side of the family. Well, my, both my parents are from the western side of the, the great state of Pennsylvania. But, yeah, so just grew up kind of always with Steelers on the TV. If we went to go visit family during football season, everyone was watching the game. So that was kind of it. Went to uh, Three River Stadium when I was probably like five years old. Got to stand on the, the end zone. It was pretty pumped. My first starter's jacket was the Pittsburgh Steelers starter's jacket. Loved that jacket. Were you over Yins in Heinz Field drinking some pop? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Don't sound like a Jagoff, dude. Come on. All right, so you've been to a bunch of games, it sounds like. Do you have a favorite game that you've ever been to? My, my first game ever was actually in Baltimore. It was Steelers-Baltimore. Cannot tell you anything, like, crazy that happened during the game, but to end the game, it was like 21-21, three seconds left. Can't remember who was kicking it. It might have been Quadzilla, Jeff Reed. Um, probably a 45, 40-yard field goal to win the game. Time runs out. It was just awesome to be there. First game was a win in Baltimore. Um, got to see so many drunken fights when I was like in, I don't know, third, fourth grade. So I was probably like 10 years old. My mom wasn't too happy about it, but it, it was interesting to see. It was awesome. It's pretty sick. It's a memory. All right. So what are some of the Pittsburgh Steelers traditions? What are people doing during Steelers games? What are they cooking up? It's exactly how you think it is. Um, Pittsburgh Dad on YouTube. I'd say go check that out if you want to get a taste of the, uh, the Pittsburgh football fan culture it's kind of he got it he got it nailed down but it's essentially sitting in a basement in pittsburgh with your uncles getting drunk eating you know some weird honky food that your mom's and aunt's made which is like i don't know uh cheese dip <laughs> chipped ham with Isley's barbecue sauce on it shout out Isley's barbecue um that's about it yeah yelling at everyone constantly saying we have to run the ball constantly, no matter what's happening in the game. You have to say that we we got to go back to the run game. <laughs> That's about it. So Yin's probably used to go pick up some Primanti bros and uh, yeah, in your Primanti's a little overrated now. But it's great when you actually go to school there. I mean, it's like 5 bucks, and they have a 325, 23-ounce Coors Light Special. It's pretty good. It's great on game day. That is great. Yeah. All right, so who's your favorite Stealer of all time. That's an easy one. It's Charlie Batch, Mister Charles Batch. Yeah, what, what, I know he's the backup quarterback. He's just a legend. He's in more Pittsburgh. than that. He's more than that. He he's a philanthropist. He's a leader. He's a role model. And having a guy like Charlie Batch when he came into the game, like Ben, because he was always hurt. If Charlie would come in, you wouldn't be like, oh crap. We're playing with a backup quarterback today. It's like, sweet. Charlie's going to find a way to win. It was always exciting. Love the guy. He gives a lot back. He's just a great guy. Seems like a legend. Yeah, he is. When they do, he, he works for uh, the radio station out there, and they always do post games. I'm listening to a post game. This is probably three years after he last beat the Ravens. Uh, I think it was like a, a Sunday primetime game. It was awesome. It was like a last-second win. Charlie drove us down, win the game. Three years later, completely different game. An hour after some game that the Steelers just won, they're taking callers. And Charlie answers. He's like, hey, you're on with so-and-so radio. What's your uh, what's your question or your take on the, the game? And the guy's like, Charlie, I just want to say three years ago when you beat the Ravens was the greatest day of my life. 
<laughs> and like it was it was so funny to feed you. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. He seems like a legend for yeah, sure. He is a legend. Alright, so who's your favorite current stealer? My favorite current stealer. Oh, that's a tough one. Love Ben. Obviously love Antonio. I loved Le'Veon Bell, but he's being a little brat right now, so I'm kind of mad at him. Yo, just give uh, the guy his money. Dude, he turned out, he would have been $30 million richer than any other running back, and he turned that down. Give him his money. That's, that's horseshit. Um, but, I, yeah, probably Juju Smith. Probably my favorite right now. Wow. Yeah. All right, so. Or TJ Watt. Because he's a lot. Yeah, he's a badass. Yeah. That was a good pick by them. Yeah. All right, so you guys have six rings. Six Super Bowl rings. That's amazing. Yep. Is that the highest ever? I believe so. It's either Packers, Pats, or us. Tom Brady has five himself. Right. Which, that's annoying. That's a lot. I know we have six. I don't know if anyone else has All six. right, so do you have a favorite team of all those six Super Bowls? The only one that comes to mind is probably... The 2009 one, just because I remember that one most vividly, because we had a Super Bowl party at my basement, and Eggie, Eggie, he he comes off on this podcast as like the nice guy, you know, you know, trying to set <laughs> everyone straight. He, this is how like sinister that guy is. For over a week, he told me, "Dude, I hate the Cardinals. I'm going AFC all the way, baby. Let's go." Steelers, and he's a hardcore or was a hardcore Ravens fan, and it got to a point where I started believing him. We have everybody over for a Super Bowl party over at my there. house. Cardinal strike first. Immediately, Eggy stands up, rips his shirt off. That was like a, a Steelers AFC North divisional title shirt or whatever. Rips it off, only to uncover a like Go Cardinal shirt. And for the rest of the night, was cheering for the Cardinals. I feel like that was right after... Sinister. Right after a Fitzgerald touchdown. Yeah. God. And when Eggie's rooting for a team... It's so He's annoying. rooting hard. He's like clapping so in your face. Claps so hard. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the current Steelers team now. Who do you think the biggest addition of this roster really is? I mean, I feel like the offense is pretty much the same as it was last year. And there's like not a lot of depth. Um, but I do know that they picked up Mason Rudolph to eventually, who knows, learn from Ben, push Ben this year. Ben was talking about retirement. Now he's talking about staying another five years. So who knows? Um, I guess he played good last night. So we'll see. How many years do you think Ben has left? At least two. We'll see. He lost a bunch of weight. He looks like he's full on Slim Roethlisberger right now. Nice. But uh, who knows, man. All right, so biggest subtraction from last year. Somebody that left the team. Ryan Shazier. Yeah, that, Definitely. Was, that was terrible. Probably, like, could have been one of the greatest linebackers of all time. But who knows if he'll ever – he probably won't play again. He can walk now, which is a miracle. But. I saw him walk across the practice field this yeah. week. Pretty that's dope. pretty cool, but, yeah. That's so got, definitely lost. You guys also lost Martavius Bryant to the Raiders. To the Raiders. Yeah, I think uh, – he saw Juju was killing it, um, and obviously, you know, most of the workload goes over to Antonio and Le'Veon, so I think he just wanted out. Uh, don't think he really fit in there, so I forget. I think he, yeah, he opted out and wanted to go somewhere else. Yeah, he was, like, crying all last year. being Yeah, and he looks like Predator or Alien, one of those guys. <laughs> all right, Jam, Jerome Bettis or Heinz Ward? Fuck. The bus. Shit. No. I don't know. The, the bus. The, the bus. bus. The bus. All right. Heinz Ward was uh, not the biggest. Wasn't supported by the Eagles much. Great. Shaved he, head, though. <laughs> yeah, he did have a nice shaven head. Yeah. So he did the Eagle after catching a touchdown pass one year. Yeah. Ever since, he was kind of hated by the fans. That's and, all right. He liked it. He loved the hate. Hey, sometimes hate feels good. Yeah, and he laid the smack down. Well, we got all the guys that do that. Yeah, especially a wide receiver. He did come and lay some big blocks. Yeah. I do I do recall. I like Tynes. Yeah. Is he Hawaiian? I have no idea. All right, James. Steelers record for this upcoming year. What do you got? 11-5. Is that enough to win the AFC North? Yeah, because 
everybody else in that division sucks ass. Okay. So, what do you guys? You guys gonna make some noise in, in the playoffs? Yeah, I think uh, near the end of the season, I think we play the Patriots at home, and we're gonna win that. And for some reason, I feel like we're gonna end up seeing them in the playoff and somehow lose to them. Very optimistic. Yep. I don't think we're gonna win a Super Bowl. You think Ben has any more in, left in him? Let's hope. Let's hope. Maybe he can squirt one out. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully not in the bathroom. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> what was he, is he in a bar bathroom when he... Allegedly, Dude, that, she said yes. Allegedly. On, he, that was all dropped or whatever. So let's just leave it. Don't don't taint the man like that. <laughs> he broke no law. All right. You, hear, you heard it here first. <laughs> you got to drop that shit. All right, Jam. Thanks for the Steelers preview. Let's jump right into the AFC North up-and-coming team, the Cleveland Browns. Now it's time for the NFL 2018 Team Rundown. All right, we're on with Brad Wessner, the only Browns fan I know. Brad, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Happy to be on, Ian. Thank you for having me. So, how did, how did you become a Browns fan growing up in Central PA, right, right outside of Harrisburg? Uh, I kind of blame my dad for that. He, uh, he grew up in Altoona, Pennsylvania, just outside of Pittsburgh, so naturally you would think that he would just become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan like the rest of his family. But for whatever reason, he couldn't stand the Steelers, and he, he grew up in like the golden era for the Browns. So Jim Brown was, like, dominating the NFL. And, and then later in the 70s and 80s, Bernie Kosar came along, and they were winning, you know, championships and stuff. And they were really competitive and good. So he, he got to see the good days. I haven't been so fortunate. That's right. They're pretty much the laughing stock of the NFL. Um, but have you been to a Browns game? Yeah. I actually uh, I went out to Cleveland two years ago. So kind of a funny story there, too. My, uh, my college roommate, Dalton Myers, um, was best friends with the current, I mean, the uh, the previous head coach at the time, Mike Patton, uh, was be- he was best friends with his daughter in high school. So he he flew us out there to Cleveland, and we stayed at, his, at the head coach's house and everything. And we got, like, on-the-field passes. It, it was really, really cool. I was, like, 10 feet from Manziel and, and all these, like, big-time athletes. They, they played the Ravens at the time. And that was just, like, an experience I'll never forget. And then... I think during halftime or whatever, we were heading up to the to the box, and I was getting in an elevator, and I looked to my right, and Jim Brown is literally right next to me getting in the same elevator. So that was a really cool experience and, and something I'll never forget for sure. Wow, that is awesome. So, yeah. so do the Browns have any odd traditions? Like I know fans are like eating hog, the Redskins, jumping through fires, <laughs> Bill's Mafia, breaking tables, Bill's Mafia. Any traditions yeah. that you know of? Um, I, I didn't tailgate as much just cause we were, you know, spending time with the head coach's family and stuff. But, um, I mean, the dog pound is kind of legendary. It's just a bunch of nuts going down crazy right behind the end zone, just going wild the whole game. Uh, even though the Browns are probably down like 25 nothing at half or whatever, but they, they have just the most loyal fan base you can imagine, even though they haven't been rewarded in probably 30 years for uh, any great seasons. But, um, no, just, just the environment. They're a hardworking city, you know, very industrial in Cleveland. They work for everything they get, and they're just, uh, just like I said, the most loyal fan base I've seen. All right, great. So, Brad, after a, an 0-16 season, at least you can't get worse. But do you think that hard knocks in the locker room is a big distraction? Um, I think it's a, a little give and take with hard knocks. I mean, they get the exposure that they want to draw, you know, new people to the Cleveland Browns. And you get to see a side of the players that you never really get to see. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure it is distracting for the players because they're putting up with a new element of media attention that they really previously didn't have to. And especially for the young guys, like, I mean, I'm very happy that we got Baker Mayfield, but I don't know how the camera being in this face 24-7 is going to impact him. Um, but no, I'm very happy with, with who they drafted and stuff like that. But yeah, the hard knocks... I'm I'm pumped because I'm a Browns fan, so I get to see you know parts of 
the practice facility and, and the, the day-to-day operations that I never would see. So from our perspective, it's great, but for the players, I don't really know how they're going to respond to it. But it's still early, and, and they won against the Giants 20-10 to 10 the other night, which is great. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to just kind of play this one out. Yeah, Baker and Tyrod both looked pretty good. And, you know, yeah. maybe it's good timing for Hard Knocks because chances are the Browns aren't going to win the Super Bowl next year. So you might as well, you know, have Hard Knocks in the locker room when you're not that good. I agree. So, um, yeah, but you, know, you brought up Tyrod. I, I was really impressed with the way he played. I mean, he drove him right down the field five for five and threw a touchdown before they took him out the other night. So that's a great start. I'm, I'm glad that he's going to be the starter for sure. I know Hugh Jackson has said that multiple times. So I'm, I'm happy having a, you know, a seasoned vet out there. He took the Bills to the playoff last year. So I'm, I'm really happy with the offseason acquisitions that they got. They're making some good moves. And, uh, yeah, it should just be pretty interesting to see how it all works out. Yeah, Jarvis Landry is a beast, but let's get into the speed yeah. round, Brad. You cool with that? Yeah, sounds good. Let's go for it. All right, so I'll ask you a, a question or a phrase, and then you just respond with you know as little of words as possible. All right, sounds good. All right, here we go. Biggest Browns rival? Pittsburgh Steelers. Biggest Browns weakness? Secondary, for sure. True or false, Des Bryant will be a Brown this season. Oh, God. Um, I hope false, but they might be dumb enough to get him on the roster. All right, with Tyrod Taylor and first overall pick Baker Mayfield, who is the Browns' starting quarterback week one? For sure, Tyrod Taylor. Biggest addition to the Browns' roster this offseason? Jarvis Landry, and we get Josh Gordon back for a full season, which helps. Describe Antonio Callaway in one word. Rookie. Needs to learn from his mistakes, for sure. But rookie would be the word. Your favorite Brown of all time. Mm. Josh Cribbs. Biggest player to leave the Browns this offseason. I'll probably say Corey Coleman. They traded him to the Bills for a, a draft pick, but I, who knows what he was capable of. He just came off of breaking uh, a bone in his hand, so he wasn't really fresh for a whole season either. But I don't know. It'll be, uh, it'll be fascinating to see how he progresses for the Bills. All right. Finish this sentence. Hugh Jackson is a... Patient man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. All right. True or false? Fuck Johnny Manziel. False. I agree. He's a young kid who was dumb and made stupid decisions, but, uh, you know, got to give him a second chance here and see if he can make it in the Canadian League and maybe call his way back into the NFL. Who knows? Good answer. I'm rooting for the young fella. Yeah. All right. So Browns have had a lot of busts in the past. Who was the biggest bust of all time? For the Browns or in the NFL in, in general? For the Browns. Tim Couch. Yeah, he was, I think he was their first pick back in like 99 or 2000, and he was supposed to be the savior. I think he came from Tennessee and just uh, never uh, came to fruition. So definitely Tim Couch. All right, Browns record this season will be? Vegas has the over-under at 5.7, so... I like to consider myself a realist, but this year I'm feeling a little optimistic. So I'm going to say six wins for the Browns will be the record. Six and uh, six and ten. Okay. All right, Brad. Well, you made it through the fire. Congratulations. Now it's your turn to uh, to tell the people what you want them to hear, if, if anything. Uh, I don't know. Just being a Browns fan has never been very easy on me in my 24 years. So uh, just continue to be patient and... And the, uh, the draft picks that they got this year, along with the additions in the offseason, is showing some signs of optimism. You know, there, there's promise in the future. So just keep trusting in what the organization's doing and, and hope for the best like you always always can. But I saw that they have uh, the Eagles week three of the preseason. You want to go out together? Dude, we definitely should. Is it in Cleveland? <laughs> yeah, it's in Cleveland, yep. Oh, that would be brutal of a drive. Maybe we should fly out and go. I know. 
Especially because it's on a Thursday, which kind of sucks, but it'll be cool. We should watch it together, though. Absolutely. What are you up to today? You hitting, uh, you hitting, going to play some golf? I am, yeah. I'm meeting up with uh, the Agnew brothers and Mike Rahm. We're going to play in a, a little scramble today at Manada. So it should be a good time. And maybe hit the casino after. What do you think? <laughs> that sounds like a day, dude. <laughs> well, I hope them. I can make it through the whole day. We'll find out. Yeah, tell those boys I say what's up when you see them, and I uh, hope you hit them straight. Absolutely. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Bradley Westner, for coming on the Bro Love cast. Only Browns fan I know. Baker Mayfield, looking pretty good. So, JM, anything else you want to say to the people? Um, listen, guys, it's a great podcast. You should, uh, you know, get them trending on Reddit, you know, do something. Get these, get these voices heard. It's a, it's a unique podcast. It's hilarious. It cracks me up. And uh, to Bradley, why are you a Browns fan? That just, that's dumb. So get your shit together, man. Come on. Well, once you listen to the podcast, he'll tell you why. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening, and uh, take care. Hey, guys. Oh, big gulps, huh? All right. Well, see you later. Never quitting, so won't you listen? Since you can't, you won't.